Hello, it's Tuesday the 23rd of January. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and I've finished putting the bins back up just in time for them all to blow over again. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every weekday we shake the newspapers till all the important and shocking and fun bits fall out, sweep up the good stuff and thoughtfully recycle the rest. Yes, honestly, this is the good stuff. You should see the rest of it. Stay on top of the news with us five days a week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Darling Nikki, is tonight the dawn of a Nikki Haley presidency or the end of a line? Thank you for a funky time. That bloke's gone woke. Keir Starmer makes the Daily Mail angry by supporting the National Trust. And who let the dogs out? It's not your imagination. Pandemic pooches really do behave worse. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we're having the unusual experience this morning of quite liking the House of Lords. It won't last. I'm Alex von Tunzelman, and with me today is journalist Holly Thomas. Hi, Holly. Hi. And also joining us is comedian Matt Green. Hi, Matt. Hello. So, what do we have on the front pages today, Holly? Um, well, the eye is leading with UK's worst storms in a decade will become the norm. Oh, great. Yeah, that's terrifying. I've been eyeing two very, very tall trees that are extremely close to my flat. <laughs> um, the Guardian is leading with medics urged not to report illegal abortions to police. So unpleasant reminder that abortion's not actually a legal right in the UK. Mm-hmm. Often forget that, yeah. but it's true. Uh, and then the Times has blood tests can detect early sign of Alzheimer's. So that's actually... That's quite good news. Well, yeah, we like we like that. Unfortunately, it does come next to a photo of Elon Musk with a, oh God, with a toddler on his shoulders at the uh, gates of Auschwitz. Um, so oh this God. is his big repentance tour after... Well, I mean, I say after. I would say that anti-Semitism on X um, mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily gone away. Um, no, but uh, using Auschwitz as a lovely photo opportunity, possibly not the most tasteful response. Possibly not, no. Um, and uh, the Daily Telegraph has actually exactly the same thing, just a a larger photo of Elon Musk. My God. And yeah, next to that, Alzheimer's blood test revolution for over 50s. So let's let's focus on on that headline Mm. to the left. That's that's better. Yeah. (laughs) Matt, how are the tabloids looking? Uh, Well, it's quite a mixed bag. Uh, In the mirror, there's a very sad story. Uh, The headline is devastating about a 20 year old woman who was bullied about being fat and then tried to get an operation which to change her life and um, died after surgery in Turkey. Um, the Sun is uh, sticking with the royal theme. Uh, Slow down, Camilla's advice to workaholic Charles. Oh yes, another l- long lens picture of a royal in a car. Yeah, just driving a car with some lovely green gloves. They're quite nice. Which yeah. is crucial for some reason. Um, the Daily Mail uh, going very strongly on the the anti woke stuff. Starmer wades into culture wars on the side of the woke. <laughs> oh, more on that later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the. The star is going with them. Who's a pretty potty-mouthed boy then? Which is a story I think we're going to be talking about later, about um, parrots who swear. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Love a sweary parrot. Well, as you say, it is a mixed bag of headlines this morning, but a few stories getting traction in the general discussion include uh, Rishi Sunak hitting the buffers in the Lords. I mean, not literally. Holly, what happened last night? 
Well, the House of Lords voted pretty decisively to delay the Rwanda Treaty which kind of puts his whole administration on the back foot for the flimsiest possible reason. He's, he's, the Guardian made this point. Um, Rishi's language about this treaty has become almost presidential. He's sort of saying it's the will of the people. It's, it's absolutely not. It wasn't in the Conservative manifesto. No one really asked for it. It was kind of made up by Boris Johnson a while ago. And it's just become this political football, which would be very funny were it not for the fact that lives hang in the balance. Absolutely, um, yeah. So it's a bit of a disaster for him. I mean, they're trying to play it down, aren't they, the Conservatives this morning, saying this is just a delay. Yeah, exactly, which, I mean, implies that they will be spending yet more time in this uh, between now and whenever the election is. So, I mean... All power to them. Carry on. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it will do very well. <laughs> oh God. And I mean, you know, many of us also haven't been able to avoid the literal storms that have been battering the UK. Matt, we've just had Storm Aisha. Heard a bit about that yesterday, and now here comes Jocelyn. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, as as always, the storms are named in alphabetical order. I'm just always fingers crossed for Matt this year. <laughs> I've never, there hasn't been a storm, Matt, as far as I've been aware. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's on its way. And uh, undoubtedly, there'll be more storms coming as well. The damage of each storm seems to be pretty bad. This one seems to be mostly affecting Scotland rather than the whole of the UK. But yes, uh, batten down the hatches, as they say. Now to New Hampshire in the US, where the Republican Party are holding a presidential primary tonight. With Ron DeSantis dropping out of the presidential contest earlier this week, all eyes are on Nikki Haley, the only even vaguely serious challenger left for Donald Trump. Now, Holly, when I say vaguely serious, is there a pretty good chance that about 24 hours from now, she too will have dropped out of the race? I think there is. There are a few factors that might see her sort of stick around for a little while. Um, So the latest poll has her at about 34% versus 52 for Trump. I think if she could pull that up to maybe 38, 40, there would be an argument for her sticking around. The next primary is in South Carolina, which is her home state. So there might be an argument for her just like as a point of pride, stick around, battle it out. Added to which, in a couple of months time, some of Trump's, I mean, four criminal trials, one of the most more serious of which, the January 6th one, hearings start in March. And there is an argument for her sticking around just as like an alternative in the sim likelihood that Trump is actually convicted right. <laughs> or, or, or it looks as though he might seriously um, be put away or, or otherwise prohibited from running. It, there's an argument for her sticking around just in case. I mean, would that even stop him, though? I mean, I don't think so. He, he He's very much using all of the legal challenges as his own stage. And it's, and, and it's working. I mean, when you listen to what people were saying in Iowa and his supporters in New Hampshire, it's just reinforcing their belief that he is sort of standing up against the elites, that this, there's this sort of McCarthyist like propaganda against him. But that being said, if if a judge decides otherwise, that that could have really, really serious ramifications. So. Matt, we should say the Democrats of New Hampshire are also holding a primary tonight, but it's it's more of a tantrum, isn't it? It's a funny one, this. Basically, the Democratic National Committee um, decided that they wanted to shift the first primary from New Hampshire to South Carolina because that is a much more representative state. It's also where Biden won last time around and it gave his campaign a huge boost. And so they didn't want New Hampshire to be the first primary because it's 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 overwhelmingly white. It's quite a small state. It's much more educated generally. So it's not very representative. But New Hampshire has a state law passed in 1975 saying it has to be the first primary state. Uh, and so right, but just it's decided it's that just by itself. Yeah, they're very proud of it. They're very proud of we are the first primary state. Uh, and unlike in Iowa, where um, the Democrats said 
a Democratic committee there said, okay, we'll shift our caucuses um, to after South Carolina, even though we like to be the first, we'll do that. New Hampshire Democrats said, nope, we're going to stick with having the first primary. So, so the Democratic National Committee said, okay, well, we'll take away the sort of certification for it effectively. So even though uh, they're having a primary, Biden's not on the ticket. Whoever wins, it doesn't matter because they won't get any delegates. So it's a sort of <laughs> bizarre mock primary in a way. I mean, how are they managing to make this about themselves? It's very strange. It's really, you know, we've got kind of Trump, clearly the biggest story here. Now, in recent years, right-wing Tories have turned on such beloved national institutions as the National Trust and the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, accusing them of the ultimate crime, being woke. Leader of the opposition, Zakir Starmer, has opened up a front in the culture wars, perhaps seen an opportunity here. Matt, what's he saying today? Um, so he made a speech to the Civil Society Summit. Whatever like, that is. Very exciting. The summit of it, not just, <laughs> right, not just right. basic civil society. We're talking the top of civil society. Um, essentially defending organisations like the National Trust from the government, really, and saying that government attacks on places like that, uh, quotes, that's what happens when the politics of self-preservation prevail over commitment to service. Basically trying to make the point that the National Trust is very trusted and the government trying to accuse it of wokery isn't fair and in government he would take a step back from that and would support organisations doing things like that. Um, he's also accused the government of pursuing a weird McCarthyism uh, aimed at finding woke agendas in all institutions. And uh, it's had a huge backlash from the usual suspects. Uh, the Mail has gone very big on it, front page. The Telegraph has has gone with a very bizarre lead where they, they their lead... Um, on this story is that an aide to the head of the National Trust claims on his LinkedIn page that he influenced Jeremy Corbyn's Labour manifesto in 2017. Wow. So I mean, basically, he's Trotsky. Yeah, exactly. And so that was the, that was the kind of frame they put on this, um, saying that, you know, it's, uh, Tory ministers saying it's going to allow institutions to run wild with wokery, which sounds to be... <laughs> It sounds like, like a, a party. Like a fun day out. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a sports day. And uh, there's just brilliant sort of weird mixed metaphors. And Greg Smith, the Tory MP for Buckingham, said that Labour politicians have always pinned their political colours to the woke mast. I don't know Golly. what that means at yeah. all. Um, sounds quite sexy. So, uh, yeah. And then you've got Tory um, Sir John Hayes, who's chairman of the Common Sense Group, which, unlike the other groups, does no research. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, just no common research. sense. It's just common sense. Just go with your gut. And, uh, and he does this lovely quote in the mail, which is, on our side, we know that Britain abolished the slave trade. We know what a woman is. And we are not going to give in to demands to teach ludicrous notions of white privilege to children. That's him talking about slavery and white privilege. Same sentence. That is some impressive cognitive dissonance. There is no such thing as white privilege, but also we did abolish slavery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, both those things also women. Nice. In the middle, we know what they are. <laughs> Arguably, though, my favourite moment is uh, in the article is Simon Danchuk, who's a former Labour MP, who said that uh, the truth is that Keir is Captain Woke. And I just think, why do they keep calling Keir Captain stuff? It's like Captain Hindsight, Captain Woke. Because I think Captain's quite good, isn't it? Like Captain America, the Captain. Like, it's yeah, quite it's quite flattering. It's very much what he's going for. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to be the leader. <laughs> captain of the government. Look at you, you yes. Captain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's obviously their weird obsession. But I mean, Holly, when you read this summer story on the front page of the mail, it asks you to turn to page six. 
So we'll rustle the papers as we find that, <laughs> as we do that. And you do this, you turn to page six, and there's a little continuation of the Starmer story at the bottom with then going on and on about how awful it is, how woke he is, etc. But most of the double page spread is actually taken up with propaganda for another Daily Mail obsession. Indeed, about a fifth of the spread is taken up by the headline, which is Fury of Private School Parents. Mm. It says, Starmer's VAT radon fees will cripple us, say hardworking families already struggling to pay. So, yeah, deeply sympathetic cause this. Uh, <laughs> um, which, will no one think which, of the private school children? Yeah, which I'm sure will resonate with Daily Mail readers. Um, no. So, yeah, so it, it says parents are saying they'll be forced to work longer hours and take on second jobs to afford uh, private school fees when they rise. Um, it's important to note, I mean, they're already really high. You already have to be really very well off at this point to afford private school fees. They've gone up precipitously in, in the last few years. The fact private school fees have gone up by so much over the last few years is is not connected to a tax position at all. It's connected entirely to an arms race between private schools to get more and more facilities to attract international students and really just basically greed on behalf of private school providers. Absolutely. And were you to abolish the charity status of private schools, um, the tax on that would fund so many more teachers in state schools, which would raise the quality of those schools. And, you know, the argument for private schools gets weaker and weaker. It feels like a really, really weird campaign for the male in particular to be waging because there's not sort of a massive groundswell of support for it. And I would say particularly not among Daily Mail readers who are by and large, you know, sort of working class, middle class families who don't go to private school. Good news, your favourite history nerds are back. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well, I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell and me Angela Barnes wherever you get your podcasts Now here at Paper Cuts we cherish the art of the headline the field in which the Daily Star genuinely is Michelangelo arguably it's even all the Ninja Turtles put together any masterpieces today Holly? Yes well the Star has this story about Tarquins and Everyone is not keeping up with this. That's just a oil protesters. All oh, right, this is one of the star's little nicknames. Indeed. Um, Tarquins are raising money to buy superglue and paint to cause more mass disruption, it says. Headline is, just stop begging, Tarquins. How they sidestep art attack. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, literally, it's right there, guys. I mean, yeah, yeah and, you know, just stop oil, just stop begging. Yeah. And you have to understand what Tarquins are, which, yes. Which, mm. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't. And there's a little tiny, tiny picture of a Just Stop Oil person who honestly looks like they're hanging up a painting rather than <laughs> attacking <laughs> it. It's not the most violent or kind of like provocative photo they could have chosen. So yeah, I, I would say a swing and a miss there mm. from the from the star. Then also in the star, um, on page 19, we have a story about the Tea Brigade, which is at least a slightly clearer name, who have apparently gone to war over claims that coffee is now the UK's top drink. Ah, well, I'm with them. I, you know what? I would have been against them until this morning when I spilled coffee on myself <laughs> at least five times. So maybe, I, you know, I, I could be persuaded to, to join Team Tea. Uh, 
Headline is Storm in a Teacup Brewing. Yep. It's 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 fine. It's it is, it's it, solid. It's workaday. Yeah. Classic. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Right, then uh finally we have maybe the funnest <laughs> the funnest <laughs> of the stars. Ridiculous pun headlines. Uh a pair of former swingers are demanding the closure of websites uh promoting the activity after facing abuse. So Elvis Sharps and Tracy Doncaster say they were threatened and mocked. Which is dreadful. Like, oh. let, let people live. Elvis said, there's a whole other side to swinging and dogging. We've been abused. Oh. Absolutely, a very fair I'm point. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, they look very, very grumpy. Understandably so, mm. in the in the large photo above that. Headline is, dogged by hate. Oh, oh I think that's pretty good. It's good. It, com- it conjures some very confusing images. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, n- nice effort. Yeah, well good do- work. Good well work. Done, <laughs> Matt, do you have anything worthy of framing this morning? Um, well, the Sun have had a few goes. Um, Arsenal have been attacked by their supporters for charging £27 for a sandwich, chips and a drink. Cool. And the headline is Arteta's Barmy Sarni. Barmy Sarni. Oh, I like that. I quite like I that. I think Barmy Sarni is pretty good. Barmy yeah. Sarni is yeah. nice. Um, I picked this out because I just found it very funny because it was so literal and it's quite fun to have a very literal headline because the um, article is about how boys aged 11 to 15 are nearly 50% more likely to be fat than 30 years ago, figures show. And the headline is, children get fatter. <laughs> God. Just children know. get fat. That's it. Yeah. That's all we need to know. Children get fatter. Okay, that one. Okay. Um, children get fatter. Yeah. Yep, that's it. That's all that's all, uh, that's all that story is about. Um, and then a tiny little story down here which uh, caught my eye, which is that they've done a survey of what are the most annoying and stressful sounds, scraping fingernails, uh, pipped car alarms, building work and snoring. And the headline is... The Wince of Nails. Oh, very good. Actually, that's really quite I good. I quite like that one. Yeah, I yeah. think that might be the winner today. Now it's the part of the show where we relax the pace for a gentle stroll through the middle pages of the papers. It's the fun bit. It's a guilt trip. It's the feature sections. And there's a story today in the Daily Mail and on the BBC website which caught our eye about naughty pandemic dogs. Holly, you're one of our regular Paper Cuts dog correspondents, you and John Ellidge, of course. What's going on here? So essentially, some research by the Royal Veterinary College has confirmed what many of us, I think, have already suspected, which is that dogs are quantifiably worse behaved um, <laughs> after the pandemic. We've obviously seen the really like nasty, gnarly end of that with um, the dog attacks, widely publicised, but also just like low level stuff, pulling on leads, yapping, you know, just anti- antisocial behaviour. And I mean... You, as a dog owner, have sort of observed this with other dogs because one of the big issues the RVC are saying is that dogs are aggressive to other dogs. Yes, and and so it's not necessarily aggression. So I have a big dog. I have a Rottweiler. That is a very big dog. He's a big dog called Harvey. He's actually not as big as the other Rottweilers in the neighbourhood. We think he was the runt, but he's he's still <laughs> eight stone of runt. So it's, substa- yeah, it's a pretty big. substantial boy. But what can often be the issue is that often small dog owners understandably don't feel as much of a need to train their dogs. But what that can result in is they rush up to other dogs and yap, 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 which after a certain point can be provocative and if a larger dog yaps back that sounds a lot scarier yeah yeah it's um, more of a wolf yeah absolutely um so this is the thing i sort of deep dived into the, the language of dog in in preparation uh, for getting harvey but there are there are lots of sort of things about dog language that you would think you understand but don't so like dog owners might have noticed this dogs stare at you while they're going to the loo and a lot of dog owners <laughs> interpret this as like oh my dog's a bit weird <laughs> what they're actually doing is they feel really vulnerable because they're going to the loo so what they're essentially saying 
saying is cover for me because <laughs> they're peeing or something. And just other stuff like in, in dog, walking like right up to another dog sort of front on is considered rude. So a lot of the time, like if dogs are kind of like starting on each other in the street, it might literally be because the owner didn't know to just walk around um, mm. because it's it's confrontational. Whereas if you literally just took a step to the side, could all be avoided. Holly, I hear recently that your dog Harvey, um, enemy of the Daily Mail as he is, has gone woke. <laughs> he he has indeed. He's um, <laughs> a little, little Harvey Stummer, <laughs> McThomas. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically the other morning I was in a horrible mood and um, as I often am early in the morning. And um, my boyfriend was mildly sexually harassing me to kind of quote unquote cheer me up. And I was just kind of like flopping. I was just like, oh God, I just can't be bothered. Just, I'm just making a cup of tea. And Harvey came and in between us and just kind of nudged Luke away with his head <laughs> and being as he is a very large dog this actually worked and Luke was like oh, and came back in and Harvey was like no 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 and he just very gently nudged Luke away and then just sat in front of me and, and it's just lady said no um, so yeah if, if we can teach a less than two year old dog about consent no excuses for the rest of us guys <laughs> so we need to up our game now, Matt, there is another badly behaved animal story, which, you know, we love badly behaved animal stories at Paper Cuts, which has made a lot of the papers and actually the front pages of The Times and The Daily Star, unusual bedfellows in most regards. And this is about parrots. What are parrots up to? Well, I mean, you say badly behaved animals. I say legends. Because <laughs> staff at Lincolnshire Wildlife Park have noticed an outbreak of swearing mm. amongst their grey African parrots. Oh, dear. Um, apparently, there were five African grey parrots who were swearing last year, and they segregated them to avoid public embarrassments. But now three more parrots have started swearing. <laughs> well, because they get to go for the special holiday in the nice place. And what they've decided to do now is they've decided to release all of the sweary parrots back into the main population, uh, gen pop, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as a hope of diluting the language, because they think... It's possible that if they release them back into the general population of parrots, the other parrots will sort of talk over them and they'll all start just not swearing anymore. But it, it's got a slightly sort of low-rent Jurassic Park feel about it, this story. Because <laughs> um, Steve Nichols, the chief executive of the park, said, um, "We, I'm aware of the risk. We could end up with 100 parrots swearing on our hands. <laughs> Only time will tell. Oh, I hope so. What are the parrots saying? I mean, I'm not even sure I can say it on a family podcast. Oh, you can. Um, you can. It's very, uh, very sweary. <laughs> uh, he said, um, you never tire of being told to F off by a parrot. Ah. Oh. You can't help but laugh. And apparently visitors stand around basically provoking the parrots, trying to get them to swear well, at them. And, and all I'm saying is that I am booking my first ticket to Lincolnshire <laughs> Wildlife Park. I think it's worth pointing out that the parrots didn't spontaneously start swearing. <laughs> this came from somewhere. Like, surely the answer is to cut it off the source. Like, they're copying someone. There's probably someone just like, you know, maybe some like poorly paid carer who's like sweeping up at the end of the day. He's like... Well, yeah, well, apparently visitors now stand around sh shouting swear words at the parrots, trying to get them to respond oh, with course. swear words. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, no, it'll be reinforced, but like, who, who's case zero? Of, yeah, of, of yeah, exactly. They didn't do it by themselves. Well, my mum, many years ago, when she met my dad, was lodging with an elderly lady in Brighton who had a parrot, and apparently this parrot, because all they do, of course, is repeat the phrases yeah. they most hear. Mm. So this parrot's stock phrase was, nice cup of tea, bagger off. <laughs> so in my family, that's just what parrots say. That's what we think happens. So it turns out uh, they all do. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and my favourite little detail from this story was they don't just swear. Um, <laughs> Steve Nichols also said that they also have 30 parrots who make the beeping sound the reversing lorry makes. Wow. Oh, that's a bit cool, though, isn't it? Oh, I want to go see the parrots. I think this is incredible publicity I know. for the world. What was it? Lincolnshire Wildlife it, Park? Uh, yeah, the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park. There we go. Right, right. Going to get loads of visitors. The whole crew of paper cuts <laughs> is on our way. And a couple of good headlines out of this as well. Yes, um, it's an opportunity for loads of great headlines. Uh, the Sun went with a lost cause. Oh, right. Yes, very good. And caw, the, caw. Yeah, and yeah. the star has flocking parrots. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Holly Thomas. Thank you. Thanks to Matt Green. Thank you. Join us in the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Just three quid a month gets you ad-free episodes and extended editions with some hidden funny stuff, plus Paper Cuts t-shirts and mugs, which are super cool. Head over to back.papercutsshow.com and follow the link in the show notes. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when a couple in Birmingham bought a semi-detached house only to find vintage porn hidden in the roof, including 1960s copies of Mayfair, Penthouse, Club International and Men Only and a sex doll. They're planning to auction the collection off to pay for house renovations. Cash in the attic? More like gash in the attic. Oh my God. I can't believe I just said that on the radio. (laughs) See you tomorrow. Paper Guts was written and presented by Alex von Tunzelman with Holly Thomas and Matt Green. The producer was Liam Tate with assistant production by Adam Wright. Music and audio production was by me, Simon Williams. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis and the executive producer was Martin Boytosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. 